Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, welcome back everybody to the Deepen Podcast, week nine of Philippians. Praise God tonight. 24 salvations. Amen. Let's go. Um, Can I tell you a story? Please tell me a story. We have a, can't get of all the details. We have a, a staff member who I barely know. And he sent me this email and some of his one mores are coming. And essentially what he was asking is, is it safe based on who these people are and that kind of stuff? Mm. Read between the lines all you want to, whatever. Okay. <clears throat> and then it was great. And then at the end, he was like, man, they haven't been to church in 30 years, first time in 30 years. And I know it's not a one more weekend. I wish it was, but I'm just glad they'll be there. And so I got that uh, as I was working on the sum- sermon. and was like, you know what? Just for the sake of this guy, I'm a, it's going to be a one more weekend. And 24 people got saved tonight. Mm. Isn't that cool? Very. But it was written in such a like humble and encouraging and can I ask if it's safe to bring one more to this one? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I could, I could just feel him going Romans 9, and his heart was just breaking for these people that he loved so much, and he just wants them to know Jesus, and he didn't want me to screw it up for him because it can happen. So good Today's on a day for salvation. Amen. Um, what, makes you, what makes you not do it every week? Or, or you know what I mean? Like how, give, give a little insight on how you decide which ones to do. If, it's the, um, if you don't get the email from somebody. I think, I mean, I, I typically just let the text drive it, Yeah, you know? And there are some there are some that are more um, a clear call to surrender your life to Christ than other texts. Obviously, it could, I, I, and I, I would like to preach toward it as opposed to my tradition was just attack it on to the end all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I think a lot of people tuned it out because they were like, oh, this is the moment where we pack up our stuff and get our car keys because at the end of every service, the guy always is like, well, my tradition was you could become a Christian, rededicate your life, move your letter, go into full-time ministry. There's like five things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I don't know. It's more like that. I, <clears throat> Acts eight says, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you mm-hmm. and you'll be a witness. So I want it to be Spirit-led. And I got nothing against all the people that say every time I preach, I'm going to give mm-hmm. uh, a clear invitation. Yeah. Uh, well, I loved that this was a capstone kind of message to the whole series, and you wove, weaved, wove? <laughs> you, you, you included <laughs> all, all the memory verses uh, in, in these different points as you summarize this book. It was so, it was so great. Um, took us on that journey. And one of the things that, one of the questions that came to our mind is, we talked a lot about contentment in this message. And we've talked about Philippians being the book of joy. Mm-hmm. So tie those two things together. How does contentment and joy, are they the same thing? Are they slightly different versions of the same thing? Or are they? Um, you probably can't have contentment without joy. But I was trying to use Philippian words and define contentment as a transcendent peace mm-hmm. that's rooted in the joy of the Lord, mm-hmm. and it is a grace to you. Mm-hmm. 
That's going to be my working definition for contentment. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Yeah. What do you think, Pastor Brent? Yeah, I think joy is a fruit, not a feeling, number one. And so Galatians 5 says the the fruit, and it's the singular fruit, it's not different, different fruits, it's one fruit that's growing, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's all one fruit growing in the life of the believer. Uh, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is mm-hmm. producing that. Uh, to the thing you said in the sermon tonight about Pastor Bruce says we all check the sanctification box in different mm-hmm. orders. The speed at which that fruit grows, there's a lot of things that go into the, 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 the fruit growing. But it is growing. That's what the Spirit does. I would say that the fruit produces a posture, a perspective, a worldview, a posture for living. And that posture for living is a contentment. You know, it's the way you, contentment's much about how you see the world and how you interact with the world around you. And it's a pot, it's not a, it is, contentment's not a feeling as much as it's a mindset. And it is a, it's like a mental posture. And the fruit of joy uh, produces that thing in you. And so they're connected, but they're not the same. That's the way I would look at it. And much like a, a gardener or a farmer would work very, very hard to, create an environment that was conducive for fruit to grow mm-hmm. that that's the that's the uh, grace driven effort of the christian because there are just like there are pests and molds and diseases or weather that could make could wipe fruit out well there are some there are some enemy enemies and some contentment killers so we talked about that but yeah, yeah. you got to pay attention to those things the garden example is the best example to spiritual formation in my yeah. opinion because there's no denying that that weeds grow, and if the fruit is not fed and cultivated and, and environmentally like nurtured and nourished, but the weeds are, then the weeds are going to grow faster and stronger, yep. and they're going to choke out. They can't kill the fruit because they didn't. You didn't give yourself the fruit, mm-hmm. but they can certainly create a like choking effect around the fruit. That makes it all seemingly all you can see and feel and experience and know are weeds, mm-hmm. and so and weeds don't like you know you've pulled weeds in your yard right and this is John fifteen where Jesus is like he doesn't say you pet the the branch or you know what I mean you you prune it mm-hmm. you have to cut off the unhealthy growth and that goes down to the the seeds of the root of the weed you got that's that's the invitation. In order for the fruit to really flourish, is you got to you got to pull the weeds out at the root, you know. And the Holy Spirit is always showing you what those weeds are. But that's a that's not Philippians four. But that is so much of joy and contentment. I heard somebody say recently that fruit is not words; it's like evidences. And it got me like, do you think that word? So joy being a fruit, does that come out in words, or is it only something other than words? Both. It's and. It's not either or. It's, right. the, it's, it's and both. Mm. You, what's in here is going to come out. What's in your heart is going to come out your mouth, yep. said Jesus. Yep. And so it's both. Mm. I also love the garden analogy because if you're ever trying to try to grow something, it takes time. Mm. And there's a lot of things that are outside of your control. And so when you think about what God is doing in your own heart and the time that it takes, it's not a... A microwave process, it's a cultivation and long-term process. 
It's also not manufactured from the outside in, like all mm. of the things that we build. Like somebody, actually, Charles Martin's son built this table. He manufactured this table. Mm. He rearranged stuff and put it together based on his effort. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to the store, like if you go to Super Walmart where they got groceries and everything, the fruit is in the produce section because mm-hmm. you cannot manufacture it. Mm-hmm. God produces it. So the, the the fruit of the Spirit in you is mm-hmm. produced from the inside out, which is very different than a workspace righteousness, which is like, you know, the example I've always used is if I nailed an orange to a two-by-four, that does not make it an orange tree. Mm-hmm. Only an orange tree can produce orange oranges as fruit. Mm-hmm. So only the Spirit of God can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's different than like, just taking control of your morality or your attitude. Mm. These are different things. Yeah, yeah. You started off, Pastor Joby, with saying, I have a secret. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a very uh, catching way to start because, <laughs> well, what's a secret, you know? <laughs> if you, I knew I knew that where you were going with the text, but I bet some people were just like, dang, what, what's he about to share with us? But uh, obviously, referring to Paul, I got the secret of facing plenty and hunger, uh, the secret of being content. Why is contentment so challenging, both for the human heart? I mean, there's probably human condition things, but we live in a time, and you mentioned this, we live in a time that's contentment is not a high value or not celebrated. You know, why is that? I mean, at the core of who we are is the pursuit of happiness, Mm -hmm. which is different than the secret of contentment. Mm -hmm. And listen, man, I'm pro-America. I know that the founders meant deeper than just, I hope you get some stuff. But personal property and possessions was a part of their definition of what it means to have the right to pursue happiness. And I'm not even against it in regards to if you're going to set up a government, it's probably a good idea that the government's responsibility is to make space for you in regards to possessions and property and things like that, that that the government's job is to make a space for us where like I can't just take your stuff and I can't just take your land and so that that's fine for a government. The problem is is when the believer buys into it and thinks that the pinnacle of life's existence is happy. Mm-hmm. It is a very very fleeting pursuit. Mm-hmm. Rain seagulls miss a kick, whatever it is, all the happy can be gone. Or to be like really serious cancer and divorce and losing a child. What are you mm-hmm. going to do with happy in that moment? Mm-hmm. And so this, I love it that Paul uses the word secret. And he says he learned it. Mm-hmm. So like, this is not intuitive. You're not born with this. Mm. It's not a personality type. Yeah. And it's a secret. Like somebody has to tell you this. Mm. It, is, it is not just um, revealed in God's common grace. Like you can't look at the stars and learn contentment. Mm. You can't. You might have a feel, a peaceful, easy feeling when you look at stars, but somebody has to like tell you. Because even if you put your hope and contentment in looking at the stars, what do you do on the cloudy night? Mm-hmm. There it goes. It's not there for you. So he learns this secret. And then, I didn't know this until this week, that he takes this common phrase in the first century that we translate contentment. In Greek, it's self-reliance, which when I read that, I'm doing the word study, I'm like, well, how what the heck? Everything in the Bible is not self-reliance, it's Christ-reliance. So, But what he was doing is this whole school of Stoics, and that was like their ultimate aim. Hmm. And so he's telling them, oh, you want self-reliance? Let me tell you, I got the secret to self-reliance. Hmm. It's, it's, 
I can do all things in Christ. It was like, actually, you're you're pursuing the wrong thing if you're looking inside you for contentment. You have to turn it over to Christ. And in doing so, it's counterintuitive. You will receive in you what you want in you when you quit looking to you for that thing and when you look to Christ. Isn't contentment related to what we want? Like, uh, don't you think of contentment as like an absence of wanting? I think when you're a baby and when you're a child, those things are true. That's why I use those two as an example. A baby crying is discontent. When they act content, it's because you temporarily gave them what they want. Same thing with a child. Mm -hmm. There is a maturity, which is what Paul is saying. He's saying, regardless of whether I get what I want, Mm. I'm content because now ultimately I want Jesus. So if jail in Rome gets me Jesus, sweet man, to live is Christ. If they kill me, sweet, because to die is gain. Mm -hmm. It's a new, it's more like I already have all that I could want because I was created to be in his presence Mm -hmm. and whatever it takes for me to get him, Mm -hmm. sign me up for that. That's why he says like in in three, not only do I want to know him and know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to join him in his sufferings. You're like, Mm -hmm. what? how does contentment and suffering go hand in hand? It's because I get him. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a greater and higher want. Maybe all illustrations break down. J- JP Spring football starts pretty soon. He will do all kind of things that he doesn't like want to. Who wants mm-hmm. to go run around the track and all that stuff, right? right? But he's doing that because what he really wants to do is play and win in the fall. And so this pain and suffering today gets him a greater and higher want then. Well, mm-hmm. if Jesus is the ultimate want, then we don't. We can see that if it puts me in the fire, that's cool because you're you're there with me, mm-hmm. and I just want you. So whatever gets me you, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. The, there was a survey done by John Ortberg, I think, and he interviewed like or did a survey with like ten thousand different believers, and the question was some some version of when did you feel closest to the Lord? When did you grow the most in your relationship with the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know? And overwhelming majority, the overwhelming majority, we're talking 90% plus, said that the time that I felt the most growth or the most peace or in this context, the most contentment was when I was walking through the, a really difficult and hard season. Mm-hmm. And that's to the counterintuitive nature of what you're talking about. Because there's something, to, when circumstances are bad and hard, it it reminds us how faulty self-reliance really is. Mm-hmm. It's the success is actually the believer's own worst enemy. You know, what their ver- them realizing their version of whatever success is, which could be kind of a pain-free, monetized, material, you know what I mean, existence. Um, as soon as the pain hits, it's like, oh, I realize self-reliance, it, it can't change me from, from the inside out. It, it can't meet me in the deepest, darkest places. So I have to look outside of myself. And this is when, graciously, the Lord you know, is always there to, to meet us. And so people would say, you know, if you were to ask that question, when's the season you've been most content? I guarantee you, you would get some version of the answer mm-hmm. uh, in, in the face of great trial. 
you know, discontentment. Um, discontentment almost always comes to me. It's a it, the thing that partners with discontentment so well, especially in our world, is one our our insatiable appetite for immediate satisfaction, which is really just driven by what the Bible would call the vice of sloth. Um, it's the sluggard is the way Proverbs talks about it, which I can't wait for you to do the Proverbs series and because the sluggard is all over it. Yeah, we're doing a whole week on work. Yeah, and that the, the we live in a world that is blindly obsessed with distraction as a way of life. That we're just responding and reacting and distracted all the time. And this fuels discontentment. Because you don't have any sense of purpose, you don't have any sense of real meaning, you don't have any real sense of higher calling or greater affection or greater motivation. It's just distraction, 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 phone, streaming service, Netflix, computer, email. You know what I mean? And so it's just it's the, the the Proverbs talks about the lion in the streets. The sluggard will say, look over there, the lion's in the street. The sluggard is, is, a, ma- is a master of distraction. And when you live distracted life, discontentment's your only option. Doesn't comparison play a part in that too? For sure. For sure. The question is, what what are you trying to get in pursuing, like what is the, the fulfillment you're going for in pursuing all of these things that are really just distractions? Like what is it you're fishing for in all of these places? Does that make sense? And you can't help but compare your situation or your reality to somebody else's reality. That would be one version of a distraction, the comparison or their, trap. Or their unreality. <laughs> exactly right. So the way Paul says all the all those things that you just said, which is, all right, um, Honestly, it matters not if I agree or not. I think all of those things are true. This is why he says, so everything you said was commentary, in my opinion, to I have learned the secret of facing plenty. Mm-hmm. We don't do that well. I, I said it and I'm in. God's people have never done well with blessing. Like, look at the nation of Israel. They get real self-reliant when things are going good. Mm-hmm. They turn to idols, which is pretty much rooted in themselves. This is a whole book of Judges. What does it go through? 12, 14 times? Mm. This cycle. God turns them over to their own desires. They're spiritually bankrupt. They cry out to God. And God gives them himself in the form of a judge. But that's what, not judge like you're doing wrong. Judge means like hero in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. Yeah, but that's it, man. That we have to, we better learn the secret of being content in facing plenty. That's why you get bored, man. Like, haven't you been on a great vacation? And when you're ready to go home, you're like, it's time to go home. I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. Just get them to do nothing forever, you know? And, and I know, I don't know, some people are like, yes, I could. I could not. Mm. Like, there's no challenge. There's no purpose. There's no, like, mm. kingdom drive. Mm-hmm. And that's what discontentment does. And, and, I mean, I could give testimony to that countless times. The question of what makes contentment so difficult well, and we've talked about this many times in different using different words, but it's the myth of there. And you talked about it tonight in the sermon. If I can just get there mm-hmm. in my profession, if I can just get that relationship, if I can just get that promotion, if my marriage can just get there, then I will finally be content or I will be happy or I will be whatever. And the, the grass is greener, man. The grass is always greener. And that's a fruit, that's a weed. Not a fruit, that's a weed of discontentment growing. It's like, 
You know, there's always some better version. And the question's not, will I be faithful to God there? The question is, will I be faithful to God here, wherever he's got my feet? Will I be where my feet are? You know what I mean? Mm. And that's what contentment's about, is about the ministry of presence and being where God has you planted and cultivating, you know? So let's be like regular people and not pastors for a second. Ready? The whole time you're talking about the the Ortberg survey, right? And I preach this all the time. God does not mind letting you fall flat on your back so you'll look up or, you know, whatever. Getting to the end of your rope so you know all you got is him or putting you in desperate situations for you'll be so you'll be desperate for him. All right. Does that not like make you a little nervous? For sure. I mean, yeah. if we're being honest. So what it drives me to do, and I don't know if this is motivated totally from the right place, but like things are real good in my life right now. You know, like me and G are good. Kids are all good. Everybody's healthy, doing, doing good in school. You know, we got just normal life stuff, right? And I got a little bit of like, all right, Lord, I'm not just going to assume upon the calm. I want to lean into you as hard as I can so that I don't need the lesson and the discipline of I need you to be desperate for me, therefore I'm going to job you. <laughs> or, I mean, one of the things that always gets me is Jesus says to Peter, the devil is going to sift you. And, and then Jesus goes, but I'll pray for you. You're like, um, how about don't let him? You could do that. You could not let him. Can we do that? And he's like, nah, I'm going to let him get you some. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to, if, if it works that way, like if, if John 15 is a little bit of a if then, you know, and you will abide in him and draw near to him, I'm like, um, I mean, if the point of discipleship is to know you and obey you, then by the power and spirit of God, may I keep my my eyes fixed on him so that I don't need, like I don't put myself in a situation where I have to be pruned in a painful way. Now, if it comes, I'm trying to keep myself so rooted in the promises of God and all these things that I preach that I would be prepared. And like James says, I could I could count it joy when I face trials, mm-hmm. not, not when I look over my shoulder and see what he did. But I do, I think about that. I think... I want to lean in when I don't have a circumstantial desperation. Now, the only thing that every time I preach, it's a desperation every week. It really is. Like, I just feel it coming. Thursday comes with an amazing regularity. So my prayer, everything amps up. You know what I mean? But I want to lean there and not have to come to my senses in the pigsty Mm. in order to come home and know him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the... Man, it is such a it is such an affection driven reality. You know what I mean? It's like lo- loving obedience being the point of all things discipleship and spiritual growth, right? And I th- I think for me the the journey of contentment has it is really not been circumstantial in the sense of like when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. Like the, the journey for me has been, it's a journey of love, receiving love, being able to believe love, being able to give love. Does that make sense? And so like the, the face, I feel like that's so much of what Paul's saying is in plenty and in, you know, in hunger and in, and in plenty, when abundance ain't in need, like 
I have I have tasted and seen this great affection of God for me, and I know it in my guts. And all of these things are chafing the wind, blowing blowing away as the as the love of God like defines and redefines and shapes and reshapes everything about the way that I think, the way that I feel. Does that make sense? And so I think it's so much of a like, because I can get into these texts and I can get real like if then and and you know what I mean? And, and I feel like what you're saying is like, honestly, regardless of what's happening in my life, whether it's good or bad, like, like the love of God is what I'm after. Mm-hmm. Not I'm trying to earn it, but like a deeper intimacy in it and a, and a and a deeper realization of its effect and power in my life through Jesus. And I feel like that's what Paul's yeah. talking about. Look, man, my dad's dying of Parkinson's, a, a version of Parkinson's. It was actually called parasupranuclear palsy. That's what killed him. It's called PSP. It's a whacked out, really rare brain disease. And we're all watching you in this. And I look my dad in the face. The first house I ever lived here in Jacksonville, they come down. This was the, the only trip he ever made to Jacksonville before he got too sick to travel. And he attended our church one time. And I remember sitting on the back of the truck in the driveway and I look at my dad and he's in his like early sixties and, and he's a shadow of the man that he once was. I mean, he was a, a kingdom force to be reckoned with, mm. you know, not loud, meek, but strong. Like he was, man, he was. I look him dead in his face and I'm like, dad, like, do you have regret? Like, do you ever wonder what would have been? Or what could have been had you not gotten sick? Like, you know, we're having that conversation. And he looks me and he looks at me back and he says, Honestly, I think I've I think I've kind of landed on what Paul said when he said, I've learned to be content in all things. Mm. And (laughs) what you could just tell about him was God loves me. And I've tasted and seen it. Come hell or high water. That's, I got that. And he's dying. And so I think that's so much of the like, you, get, you know, we talk about perspective and purpose. And the bottom line is God, he is wildly in love with his children. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know the line that C.S. Lewis, like he uh, whispers in our comfort, talks in, shouts our, in our pain? Shouts in our pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure, but don't you think that also God shouts through our pain? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that actually might be the quote. You would know it better than me. I your think he, no, Lewis, I, he's saying like, God will get your attention, mm-hmm. so pay attention to the whisper. Because, but when there's pain, you'll hear His voice super loud. But I think for sure He shouts through us to the world mm-hmm. in pain. For I mean. Sure. In my life right now, this week, I mean, I have no idea what happens. All right, it's, it's up to the Lord. It's one thing for me right now to say I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Like, oh, cool. What's your situation? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Again, loving wife, healthy kids, dream job. You know, great friends. Me and you're playing golf tomorrow. How fun is that? Okay, Doctor Osher. So this is a little plug for the uh, the digital experience. You know, for yeah. Holy Week, we interview Doctor Osher, who I talk about in the book, who is a cancer research doctor that gets cancer. And he says, um, I wouldn't change my life. That, that I have embraced the journey Christ has me on mm-hmm. 
because I, I know the fellowship of his sufferings. When we interviewed him, he had been three days without sleep because of the pain. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I've never cried out to God more. Oh my, that his voice is a megaphone to a deaf world mm-hmm. where mine is like, well, of course you would say that. You know? Mm-hmm. It's incredible, sure. man. So same thing with not only your dad. I mean, how loud was that in your life? Totally. Okay. But then... Not only that, man, we're all watching you, not to see if you pass some like faith test, but really it's just because we love you and we're watching you to like see what you need. And then the faith of the saints is so encouraged when somebody walks in faithfulness. Man, the, the example I use tonight is Keith Kelly and Tammy. They lost a 14-year-old man. Mm-hmm. And we're at the event and he knows he's got to get up on stage and tell the story. And we're singing Graves into Gardens. Right, mm. and he, him, and his wife, and their two boys, the whole family's there. Their spouses, all the things, man. And these parents who've lost their fourteen-year-old have two hands up, both of them, and they were raised like real Southern Baptist, like probably fundamentalist Baptist kind of thing, you know. And bro, I mean, it's two hands up, front row. There's nothing, nothing better than you. You, all I can think is, what about getting your boy back? And he's going, there's nothing better than you. And then what happens is then Keith talks about heaven not as a theological concept. He talks about it with a great anticipation, believing that God is good and God is in charge and his boy ain't sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it moved me a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about abundance. There's a lot of reasons why you could experience abundance. You know, criminals experience <laughs> abundance in some regard, right? Yeah, Rob for, a bank. For a time, yeah. And you have a blessed life, right? Like, you know, buy a Lamborghini, right? But without Jesus, it's real hard to go through suffering mm. and still believe that it's good and there's a purpose in it. Yeah, without Jesus and his people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like a part of the way Jesus gets people through their suffering mm. is... He surrounds them with his body. Mm-hmm. Just like, all right, so John chapter 11, Lazarus dies, and he goes and sits with Mary. He had to put his arm around her, mm-hmm. you know, when they weep together. So a little bit of theological, biblical speculation. I'm, in my mind, the way that picture happens, we'll see when the chosen does it, if they haven't already. <laughs> but he, he's like, come here, girl. That, so we are literally the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't suffer alone. Mm. You let the you let the yeah. the body of Christ embrace you to help you get through it. I tell you what, my faith needs that. Oh gosh, I was thinking I was thinking that tonight. You know, we're singing, and I was like, I really want to sing, but part of me, you know, I'll stand on the front row, sit on the front row, and part of me just likes to kind of half turn, and I can see the people who are leading, and I can also see the congregation, and I just. Listen to them singing, mm-hmm. and I ju- that stirs my worship sometimes way more than me. Like I've heard myself sing quite a bit, you know what I mean. But hearing that roar of the whole room, I thought about that. Like that's that my faith needs that that testimony. It's similar to hearing somebody's testimony of like, hey, I was suffering. I'm, I've been suffering, and and God's good in it. It's real encouraging too. I mean, if this letter is a letter of encouragement and Paul's like, I love you guys. I'm so proud of y'all, you know, for a bunch of reasons. And it's right for me to feel this way. I've, 
I feel that way about our church. Last year was the year of worship. Mm-hmm. And if there is like, if, if volume and intensity and hand raising is some measure of we're going for it more, the needle has been significantly moved in the life of 1122 mm-hmm. in regards to worship through singing. It is different now than it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's contagious, man. Mm-hmm. It is contagious and it's awesome. And I think God is honored. And mm-hmm. so way to go. One of the things that you, as you laid out these 10 different enemies of your contentment, you know, one of them, the last one uh, was greed mm-hmm. and not being generous, which as you were talking about some of the other ones, being anxious or comparison, you know, then you lay that, like talking about generosity, might have been like, wait a minute, I wasn't expecting that one. So let's talk about that for a minute, you know, like, because you might be surprised to think, okay, well, how does contentment, contentment is like, I have what I need. And then generosity is, I have less than that now. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how does that interact? Like how does, a, how does a generous heart breed contentment? This week, um, we had the privilege, or Britt and I, several weeks out of the year, uh, get to host pastors at the mm-hmm. retreat center, you know? And it's great. And we feel like that our church should be a, like a conduit of God's blessing, not a cul-de-sac. And God has blessed us so gr- I mean, come on, man. What he's doing here is unbelievable. I can't believe I get to be a part of it. So we want to be a blessing. And, oh, it's tough on pastors right now. Mm-hmm. Not us. I mean, honestly, as compared to what a bunch of our brothers are going through, it is, boy, there's some beat down fellows out there. Mm-hmm. And um, HB said it so well. He said, when I talk to pastors, they are not drunk on compliments. They are starving for encouragement. So mm-hmm. 17 guys come in. Um, we partnered with Compassion International to get all these guys to sponsor kids, which is super cool. But also, we just want to give them a break. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our team does such an amazing job in regards to hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. So. The guys all look at me. I'm sure you get the same comments when you're training XBs and training campus pastors. They all look at me and they say to me, thank you for your generosity and hospitality. Okay, so I don't do anything on the hospitality. I don't, you know, I just show up. And then I just say, I started saying this, man, it is so easy to give away what's not yours. Mm. This ain't my retreat center. This is our church's retreat center that God generously gave to us mm-hmm. for these kinds of things also. Mm-hmm. How easy, Easy is it for me to be really generous with the retreat center when mm-hmm. I didn't earn it, I didn't buy it. It's not like mm-hmm. I worked for the money and then felt mm-hmm. like I've got to protect it. Mm-hmm. And then as I said that a couple of times, I thought, well, that's everything I have. The moment I can get my mindset to think it is so easy to be generous with something that's not yours, mm-hmm. I think that's how you position yourself to be a good steward. And the other thing is, man, I think that verse about, and you can trust him because he'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what it is. Mm-hmm. So JP has my credit card on his phone. <laughs> he is very generous with his friends. So just like buy him lunch and stuff, which I appreciate. But I'm also like, hey, dude, you got to rein this in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, man. He knows, at least from his perspective, there's more where that came from. Mm-hmm. The lack of contentment is when you think, because ultimately what you're saying is, I have to meet my needs with the limited resources mm-hmm. I have, and I ultimately have to control this. And control and contentment cannot coexist. Mm. They cannot. Because mm. you can't be at peace if you're like ultimately responsible for mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. 
It seems so ironic. And, and, and Je- totally. Jesus says, so that's a secret. The measure that you give out, it will be given back to you. And it's very counterintuitive because you mm-hmm. think, I need like stuff minus stuff equals less stuff. <laughs> but what he's saying is stuff nope. minus stuff equals more stuff <laughs> or more meaning, more quality, more blessing, you know? I thought of that. I thought of a similar example. You know, so if you're, let's say you're, you're, you're a kid, right? And you're saving for your for something to buy at Walmart. And you're like, man, I saved up my ten bucks or whatever. I don't think it's going to be enough. And then as you're walking in, your dad's like, "Here's fifty bucks." Yeah. You know. Now you're just like, "All right, sweet. That's easy to spend, right?" Because it was, you know, it's not even mine to begin with. Correct. And um, man, that's beautiful. Um, so you mentioned. I think it's verse 19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Help help us understand how to not make that the thing like when you're generous, God's gonna God's gonna then owe you back something. Well, first it says need, not want. So that's uh-huh. real big, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Paul says, if I got pants and something to eat, I should be grateful. So mm-hmm. let's just get down to like what you need versus what you want. He does not promise to supply all of our physical wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a good dad. You could trust him. Here's the, here's the thing that the reason that we tithe is because he's first and best. If you think that the, the heresy of the prosperity gospel, which is if I give you owe me, mm-hmm. you are preeminent. He's not preeminent that he is responding to you, not you responding to him. That is the ultimate heresy. Right. Like, Oh, I found a verse. I got you hemmed in. You owe me tenfold. So I don't care about you. I'm trying to get mine, and I'm trying to use you like a genie or a vending machine or Amazon. Mm -hmm. And God will not be complicit in your idolatry. Mm -hmm. He refuses to. It is the reason Cain's offering was not accepted. Right. Because he gave him leftovers. Mm -hmm. And, And who knows why he's doing it, like what his motivation was. But it was not good, and it was not acceptable. And it led to his downfall. Mm hmm and so what I love about this section in Philippians is Paul, rightly so, as like the founding pastor of this place, is like, listen, man, I'm good. Like my ministry's got enough money. I appreciate it. Appreciate you keeping me alive in prison. But even if I die, it's gain. So cool. <laughs> I want this for you. Mm. And what you got to know is that you'll never understand a life of commitment, contentment if you don't trust him to take care of you. Mm. So do you trust him or do you trust only you and what you can do with your resources. What are some of the, I mean, obviously we're talking about contentment being a fruit of living, living a life of generosity. What are some of the other fruits that will be born? If someone says, all right, God, I'll, I'll take you up on that. What are some of the fruits that are going to come? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the, if you look at the fruit of the spirit, you could connect the expressions of worship to the to that fruit mm-hmm. one at a time. Generosity, financial generosity specifically, but even generosity with your time, generosity with mm-hmm. counting others more significant than yourself in whatever manner that, you know, and I read that in Philippians 2 where it says count others more significant than yourself. And you put it in the context of the expression of worship that is financial generosity, it's, it's when... I, when I tithe and I trust the Lord in that 
that expression of is foundational in my life, bringing back and returning to God. I have my eyes are way more open to the needs of others around my uh, around my life to see how I can treat them as more significant than myself. Like it's a gospel motivation issue. Mm-hmm. So to connect it to the fruit, it's like um, it, these expressions of worship. It like it is an act of love, but it also grows love. It is an act of joy. It grows joy. It is an act. So in every way, the expression is defanging or dehandling me from the the grips of the world. And the weeds are being pulled at the root Mm. and the fruit is growing. And this is the expression. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's not like I have a feeling and then an expression or I have an expression and then a feeling like it's all one thing. It's one move toward intimacy with the Father. Mm-hmm. My only options are intimacy through expressions of worship and a passionate pursuit of Him through loving obedience or isolation. Mm. Those are my two choices. Mm. And I'm on a pendulum swing, moving toward intimacy mm. or I'm moving away from intimacy. And, and the expression of worship that is financial giving, generosity in any measure, but uh, in regards to what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4, he's talking about specifically financial generosity, that that is moving me toward intimacy is, and is an expression of that intimacy. You know what I mean? Can be and should be on a motivational level. How about when the Lord rewards your generosity by allowing you to visibly see your participation in him changing somebody's life. For sure. Mm. I mean, I hope and pray that every every person that that is generous with their resources here at 1122, when we celebrate things like the people that got saved in prison two weeks ago or when people get baptized, that they would, I hope they connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as humanly possible, I was a part of that. Right. What kind of reward is that? Uh, so we do the book launch a couple weeks ago. And I'm out here signing books, and and a girl gets saved mm-hmm. in in line. I mean, she comes up to me. She's been she's been here 39 weeks in a row. She's got a little getting a little puddly in the eyes, you know what I mean? And she's she, she goes, Man, I'm I'm so new to this, so I got a million questions. And I was like, new to what? Reading books, or you know, I'm just trying to like break the ice a little bit. And, and I and I see a disproportionate amount of emotion. And I said, or new to the whole following Jesus thing. And she says, I've been here 39 weeks in a row. I just feel something here. Um, I agree with so many things you say, but I have so many questions. And then I was like, go ahead, shoot. I'm here. What do you need? And she goes, how do you know when it's finally time to take that step of faith? And I just went, it's right now. It is right now. Do you know you need him? She's like, I know. I go, do you believe when he died on the cross counter for you? Yep. You ready to repent of your sins and claim him as Lord? Yup. Let's pray and do that right now. And then I was like, by the way, you got saved about like right back there. You didn't get saved right now. You know what I mean? Because you had decided, okay, I don't write books to make money. I write books to make disciples. For sure. It is. So that that I would get to be, to like experience a part of that reward where, the, mm-hmm. where God is like, I used you, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I partnered with you. What a reward, man. Mm. Like, what's that worth? Mm. Yeah, Paul writes it. He says that a gospel motivation for obedience of the believer 
is concerned for. Mm-hmm. He said, you were concerned for me. That's right. And we are concerned on that concern for others, brothers and sisters in need around the world, uh, brothers and sisters in need in our city, lost people. Right. That we are concerned. And this is a compelling motivation, a yeah. gospel motivation. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, mm-hmm. you were concerned for me, and you did something about it. Thank you. And he even goes, I mean, think about this, man. He goes, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. To your credit. Like the reason I'm giving you such an opportunity to sow into gospel ministry, hmm. and I'm, I, I'm so for you, Philippi. And by the way, that word concern is the same word when he, in chapter one, and when he's like, it's right for me to feel this way about you. So he's, he's like, it, this is a two-way street. This is a relationship. I love y'all so much. I've been exhorting you and encouraging you through this whole letter. Mm-hmm. Now let me get down right, right down to it, man. I want generosity for you because it breaks open so many things in you that God wants to do in you, through you, and to you. And when you do this thing, man, um, it is a fragrant offering. It is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And you can trust him. Mm-hmm. And that's for you. I mean, mm-hmm. it is my it is my testimony. Mm-hmm. You know that that our generosity journey and our contentment experience have increased proportionately, and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I get to sit with a bunch of people that have expon. I, I mean, literally exponentially more in regards to resources. You know, like their houses. 10 times as much as my house. Their cars cost 10 times as much as my cars. Their vacations are unbelievable. And sometimes when I'm, especially if I'm feeling a little snarky and I want to dig on a guy, I'll be like, does it feel weird to be strangely jealous of my life? He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, because you want my life, man. Yeah, oh, you got way more money than I have. You have a lot more stuff, a lot more accomplishment, but you ain't got contentment. Mm-hmm. Like, you want more, and I just want more Jesus, and it's different. It's just different. I can tell you what. You live a generous life. You begin to lean into contentment. You'll fight less with your wife and kids. You will, because you're not trying to, like, control and get them to act the way you want them to act, right? For sure. And the number one thing people fight about is money. When y'all are on the same page, and you're like, man, we're going to give our first and best, we're going to agree on that, Mm -hmm. you don't fight about that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what if you could tell every Christian married couple, I got a secret to help you in your marriage. The number one thing most people fight about and what they claim the number one reason for divorces, what if we took that off the table? How in the heck are you going to do that, man? Change all of America? It's, just, it's a secret. Mm-hmm. It's this. You, you, you cure the contentment robber with generosity. Mm. I mean, And so Paul is like, man, See how this isn't for, like, I got plenty of money for the ministry. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I want this, brothers and sisters, for you. Mm-hmm. And that would be our heart for our people here, for sure. I think that's the, that's, that's the distinctive of a true disciple maker in the spirit of the Apostle Paul is oh, yeah. wanting for people, not wanting from them. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you love somebody and you're you're seeing them struggle and trip and they just can't get out of their own the way or what out of their own way or whatever the situation is, and you're 
you just know, like, you're like, I want more for you than you even know to want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, that really is, whether you're a pastor or in the whatever, if you carry the priesthood of the believer and you're discipling people, wanting more for them in their experience, their deepening, their relationship with the Lord, um, realizing in Philippians 4, it, it says like the, like the header of the back of the like second chunk of four, it says God's provision. Mm. And it's like, that's what I want for you is for you to realize how under his provision and protection you are and how safe you are and how provided for you are and how real intangible he is in your in your life and and so and you know as you mature as a believer your spidey senses around that gets gets a little like you know that's why like i haven't done this for a minute i can turn on the tv and i can be like you know somebody's on some of some tv preachers on there yipping Mm -hmm. yipping 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 you're like there's you know like there's just an inauthenticity authenticity to it you know what i mean and um not to be all judgy but um wanting for people that that in your definition of contentment and the, the last it's by grace mm-hmm. it is only by grace that you can desire more for people than want from them that's right that's only by grace that is only a work of grace that's a good word you know what i mean and because he, I don't know, I could probably get into some crazy subconscious stuff here, but like without the work of grace in your life, maybe there's some semblance of it under just common grace. Hard to believe, but like where good terminates, good has to terminate higher than good in order for it to actually be effective. Meaning, like, if I want good for my children, the question is, what does it mean? What does good mean? Like, if I build a construct of good and I go, all right, this is what good means. And I want my kids to pay taxes, to not be criminals, to have a pretty decent career, to get a pretty good education, and to generally just be morally upstanding. This is my good target. And it terminates on good. The question is, what do I want that for? It is hard for me to believe that you want that for the sake of them only, that somehow that doesn't reinforce to you Mm. your working definition of good for you. Mm. Okay? Mm. But if good terminates on glory, then it's a different it's a different thing altogether. And so if, if, if my desire is for my kids to walk in good as the Bible prescribes good, which is loving obedience and mm. uh, deeper, stronger affections for the gospel, um, whatever word, like I want them to be a mm. good Christian, even that, mm-hmm. what for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your highest motivation there? That they would be a good Christian, so that you can say and feel like you did a good job raising a good Christian. Yeah, and so or it, that that would terminate on the glory of Christ. Right. If you're just trying to keep you your life more comfortable by providing them a comfortable life, right? That is a that is a. I mean, that's chasing the wind, bro. It but, that, but that turns back to the point that you're bringing up, that's which is stuff. like, which is when you want something for somebody, if they believe that this life of generosity or this life of worship, which you made the connection so beautifully, um, 
if if they would believe that it is good and for the sake of the glory of God, that that, that does bring a return. Like all of our pursuits for good are motivated by a desire to bring a return back to us. It's like that Pascal quote, right? When he says, everybody pursues their own happiness, even those who go to war or those who avoid it, right? And so we're, we're, we're pursuing that return return to ourselves. And so when you say, hey, I want this for you because it is truly good. And it is truly good because it glorifies God and that will return joy to you. Well, in line with that, that's what Paul does. He commends them, right? He's bragging on them. He's like, man, you guys are so generous. Been taking care of me, still taking care of me. Even when you didn't have it, you're trusting God. And then he could stop right there and go, great job, church. But he doesn't. He goes, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's like, all it is still ain't about you. Even as I'm trying to encourage you, you're still a means to God's glory. Mm-hmm. And and that is your greatest good. And that is where your true contentment will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a gift. No doubt. Well, he ends the letter with this, this phrase, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Doesn't that just kind of hit you weird? Like, yeah. like it's not a common phrase, man. Right. Unpack it a little bit. I well, mean, so he starts with grace, okay. right? Grace to you and peace. He starts the yep. letter. So grace bookends it. But why does he say it I that way? I think he's slamming home that this is not circumstantial. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about eternity here. Like you have a spirit, you have a soul, a spirit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like mm-hmm. we're talking about inside things, mm-hmm. not outside in. We're talking about inside mm-hmm. out. This is like. Oh, wow. In the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want Him to get in there, in there, mm-hmm. on the inside of you, on the yeah. on the on the forever you, mm-hmm. and do work. Wow, that's so good. Like the word grace, like charis or charisma, right? It's like it's that anointing, that covering, yep. that presence of God, that touch of God. And if think about what it would have meant if He said, "The grace of the Lord be with your life." Because you could have interpreted that like, all right, sweet stuff, yeah. or like circumstances. But yeah. he says, no, 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 it's a, it's a spirit that you carry with you of walking in grace no matter what. That's a beautiful way to say it. And the way that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with our spirit is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Which he gives to us as a deposit. Of yeah, the indwelling hmm. gift of the paraclete, hmm. which again... I know this is goofy and this is how my mind works, but this is how I like memorize things. Mm-hmm. And the paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit, is going to keep you grounded in his word like a paraclete does on a football field. And he's gonna he's gonna nudge you like the like the meek who has turned over the reins of her life to to the right to the master. And it just takes a nudge, man. So like a you know, the NFL combine stuff is just happening, and those guys can change direction so fast, right? And the and the Spirit of God can do that. That's what I want to be that kind of like full of the Holy Spirit person where the enemy, where I mean, where, where the Holy Spirit says to me, like, pray for them, talk to them, make that phone call, whatever the thing is. Mm. And like on a dime, I don't have to be hard-headed, you know, and and be be told over and over and over and over that you could change directions, do whatever he tells you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a big part of like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with my spirit, that, that now the Holy Spirit in me is going to guide me. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, pastors, I know that you want more for our church and those listening, and 
And I know that what you want is that they live a life worthy, that they'd be humble and without complaining and imitate Jesus, that they'd not be confused that their efforts are going to earn them something before God, that they'd press on to the prize, that they'd resolve conflict, release the burden, rewire thoughts, and know the secret of being content and everything. Amen. So would you pray for us? I think we should do a little, uh, this comes out on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Big week. This yes. is Holy Week. Oof. We got a lot going on, so this will be a little commercially, but this is for the good of our folks. Everything, like all the devos that Gretchen writes, the Wednesday prayer, opening all of our campuses for an hour of prayer and fasting, all of this is because we want something for our folks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you can go back and watch the digital experience of Anything is Possible. It was put together with Holy Week in mind yes. as we get ready. Um, not only you get to experience some new music from our incredible worship team that was all written like from where God's taking us right now. It's yeah. really it's really awesome. Also, hear from a couple of members in our church that um, that God has done the miraculous in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Osher and Sergeant Ike Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, hear from me and Charles, and but then also some of my friends, man, uh, Pastor Quan. Pastor Matt Chandler, Pastor J.D. Greer, you know, all, and our, our dear brother, Tim Tebow, all of that. So that's that's a part of getting the heart ready for next week in Easter. Yes. <clears throat> then we've got a passion service on Tuesday, hmm. which is just, I mean, just show up. Hmm. Get ready, man. Yeah, we've not done anything like this here that I know of. Get ready. Yeah. You want... Um, I would do, if I were you, I would change whatever you need to change in your schedule to make sure you're here for that. Then mm-hmm. Wednesday, we're going to fast one last day and prayer. And then we begin our Easter services on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you, if you're a Sunday morning person, would you please consider coming to one of our Saturday services? Um, we want to be the kind of place where the crowd never hinders people getting to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We want to tear the roof off, pick up the mat, take people to Jesus, do whatever we can. So <clears throat> it would help us a ton. It would help you a ton if you and your family came on Saturday night to help the people that don't come here all the time that are like, you know, it's Easter, here we come. Or they come once a week, I mean, once a month. Everybody's showing up. And they're, mm. I mean, you know, there could be twenty to 30,000 people sitting in campuses this week. Okay? Sure. And praise God for that. Part of the way you could experience contentment is to consider others as more important than yourself. Mm -hmm. And this week, even if it's not the most convenient, go to a non-Sunday morning time Mm -hmm. so that other people can. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the schools are out on Friday too. And so you can go to any of the Thursday services. That's right. And you can, your kids, a lot of kids don't, if if kids are the thing on Thursday nights, you don't have school on Friday. So Mm -hmm. be a little creative with it this weekend. Yeah, man. Please, in Jesus' name. I mean, you want to pull a great parent move? Come on Thursday nights, and then and then like after it's gonna be so late. It's gonna be so late when you get done, and then don't drive home. And I'm talking about like elementary age kids, and then like go to Dunkin' Donut or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just like blow Celebrate their the resurrection, baby. Blow their mind. I mean, they will. I'm telling you what, they will not remember my sermon for sure. They'll be in kids ministry anyway. But they, but man, they. I'm telling you, you do something like that, and they go. Why? What? What is wrong? You're, we're taking this to ice cream at ni- at nine thirty. What are you doing? And you go if the tomb is empty, 
anything is possible. Man, you want to like set an anchor mm-hmm. of grace in your little mm-hmm. kid's heart, do that. And then also, uh, at San Pablo, please, if you could park in the shuttle parking, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. It's a great experience. You get a little shuttle ride and you do get coffee and donuts and that kind of stuff and just whatever you could do so that more people could hear about the resurrected Christ. Mm-hmm. The more you could do, the better. And it's not routine, man. It's not a routine. Like, this is the most important event of our faith. Correct. And, in human history. In human history. Like, the, that's why if the tomb is empty, anything is, like, that's, it's, you, you nailed it right in the bullseye. Like, <laughs> you picked the one thing that's just like, let's major on that thing. And so, uh, what, this time of preparation, when I pray for myself and what I hope that our church is praying as well, is that it would, it would be like, he is risen would land fresh on our, on my heart again, you know, because if you've been at it for a while, just kind of like, oh yeah, there's Easter. And then like, you start feeling like it's a, almost like the, you feel more about the holiday kind of thing instead of the celebration mm-hmm. that it is of the reality. And so that's really the point of all this preparation. That's Correct. the point of the meditating on the cross and the passion service. That's why it's because it, it has to land on us with the force that some measure of the force that it really represents. Amen. Let's pray. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, we thank you for the secret mm. of contentment. Lord, oh, I pray that every single one of us who know you would learn that secret mm. and that our contentment would not be found in our circumstances, but in Christ the Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> the end. <You> <laughs>